This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash artscouncilengland. I'm James Mackenzie Blackman. I'm Executive Director of the National Youth Theatre of Great Britain. Uh, uh, but actually, um, one of the, kind of the time that sort of most... Uh, kind of cemented the kind of core values of what I want to talk about today was the, the, the I've been at NYT for about a year but before that I spent just under five years at the Lyric Theatre Hammersmith um, where I ran the Young People's Programme and actually Jessica Hepburn who's Executive Director of the Lyric is in the room now so it's like not only have I got young people but I've got my old boss in the room as well so <laughs> let's hope it's good guys. Uh, this session is about how we uh, involve young people children and young people in helping us to determine what is good work. And uh, from the, the notes that you might have seen about this session, I was going to be here today with a colleague from the Paul Hamlin Foundation who fund a project that I run at the National Youth Theatre um, because I thought that would be an interesting perspective to hear from a funder about what they think uh, young people's voices should look like in terms of determining what good work is. Uh, and then um, that colleague at Paul Hamlin couldn't come so I thought, what other funders do I work with who I would um, put in this sort of environment? And um, I decided none of the other ones um, <laughs> that, I, that I work with or, um, or tick boxes for. Uh, and then I thought, well, if this session is really about young people and how they determine what is good, um, I'll bring some young people. And uh, I started to think about young people that I work with now and young people that I've worked with in the past and I immediately thought of these two who were sat either side of me and um, Deanna is um, currently a member of the National Youth Theatre um, but I met for the first time at the Lyric in Hammersmith and Dean, um, Dean's got, you know, Dean I've known for probably about six years now um, and uh, the reason they're here with me is because um, I determine that their work is good. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I also think that these type of events um, need to have young people's voices in them. So we're going to start this session um, by hearing from Dean and Deanna and, uh, uh, and then we'll have a conversation following that. Who cares about voting nowadays? Nowadays, people are engaged to shows and votes for Big Brother and X Factor. Masses make records and break them in viewing, so who cares about elections nowadays? Nowadays, voters wait, watch, locked outside as elections count without them, so who cares about politicians nowadays? Nowadays, they just perch and their taxpayers paid for whatever they conned out the system and bitch and moan about benefits who lead the country into deficit by taking and not giving back, so who cares about promises nowadays? Nowadays, manifestos are written in jargon by people detached from the mass, swallowed in parliament and removed from common language so big words confuse and diffuse because no one's got time to read head note to foot and take notes to contrast and compare. No one stares until they see between the lines the lies that hide inside smiles that style campaigns so who cares about truth nowadays? Nowadays, people brave early mornings on body-heated trains to say possessions they don't really own. Credit cards are deceiving and bleeding victims believing that they're needing to live to repay so each breath feeds debt and their souls become slaves to the pound. So who cares about protests nowadays? 
Nowadays tents are removed from the roots and destroyed like weeds Cause the silence is soiled if the stem breaks free And dreams left to bloom for ideas to pollinate So who cares about nurturing nowadays? Nowadays the young are babysat by TV screens And screams are communication cause no one listens nowadays iPods, deafen and stress threatens isolation with problems from people who don't quite understand Cause nowadays we're all different and unique and special and different. And difference is fear for survival, so nobody shares nowadays. Nobody trusts nowadays. Nowadays, people travel in portable worlds. Phones, iPods, free news or cars, no eye contact, free smiles, small shuffles and silence. Silence. Cause who cares about stories nowadays? Stories that reveal human nature at its peak and expose where we're weak, but courageous. Stories of the past before the world spun fast and left data artificial lights who don't really care about life nowadays because nowadays life is a competition where youth is a trophy that should be protected from age. Where egos are large and injuries expected because no one really cares about fun nowadays. The type of fun you relive in emotion. Not drunken pictures plastered on Facebook. An optimistic account of a night mentioned proudly on Monday to co-workers who also survive by drinking and sleeping through the weekend so the week never ends and change is never missed so who cares about voting nowadays those who hope those whose energy is spent trying to defeat the odds built around them in capitalism and greed those who read and learn and educate minds outside of a structure designed to dictate destinies with narrow paths in concrete labyrinths see freedom Freedom is often mistaken for the sight of light at the end of the tunnel. It's the sense that we are free that keeps us trapped. But who cares about that? This is not supposed to be therapy. I go to therapy on Wednesdays. Being on stage is my getaway, or hitting the dance floor on a Saturday. I try to stay home on Sundays because if I'm lucky, mum will make Sunday lunch. Roast chicken and potatoes or rice and peas and mummy, don't forget the planting. Yes, I know, she spoils me. I'm supposed to be happy, because most would be if they were this lucky. I'm supposed to be the one living his dreams, the one that they envy and aspire to be like. I'm supposed to inspire. But I cry out. I'm supposed to give hope, but I'm so full of doubt. I'm supposed to know exactly what I'm doing and precisely where I'm going because I am a leader, right? I'm supposed to have the answer or at least ask the right questions. I'm supposed to be cruising in the fast lane, but I feel so pedestrian. He gave me this notebook to write in. I'm not supposed to tell anyone but forget what I'm supposed to do. I've always done what I'm supposed to. I was supposed to get my GCSEs, A-levels and a degree. Check one, check two, and yes, check three. A whole bunch of Bs and Cs and a two one in my degree. English and philosophy. So what else was I equipped to be but some kind of writer? Well, I'm pretty good with kids. I could have been a teacher, but even my favorite at school, Mr. Rattigan told me, never ever become a teacher. My granddad always asks me, when are you gonna go back to your studies? 
He tells our family back in Cyprus that I'm a professor, Dr. Dean Atta. But I'm far from a doctor. My only PhD, a player-hating degree. But I don't stay put long enough for you to hate on me. See, supposedly I'm a poet slash playwright slash artistic associate slash creative director slash confused.com. Online searching for my ID. On Facebook faking familiarity. Retweeting at you, hashtag complete me. BBM me, be befriend me. See, this iPhone is not my phone. It's a loan of identity. Cause I can be whoever and whatever I want to be with the right accessory, by any app necessary. <laughs> I'm supposed to be grateful for all this freedom, free to grab opportunities where I see them because most just let things pass them by. Fixated on money, trapped by responsibility or bound by their apathy. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond imagination. I believed that the first time I heard it, and I still do. But am I supposed to be afraid? Because I'm not. I don't need words from the page to reach out and hug me, comfort me or tell me that they love me. I just need them to tell the truth. Because I'm supposed to be here. And I'm supposed to do this. And no, this isn't therapy. But it sure feels good to me to be sharing this with you. So last Thursday, uh, I took Dean and Deanna out to kind of start to grapple uh, with this session and what we were going to say. Um, and we had some really interesting conversations and, and, and didn't really spend a lot of time talking about the session. We just talked a lot about um, our journeys. And um, Dean at one point said this, you know, amazingly profound thing. He said, when, when you're talking about good work, are you talking about what is good good or are you talking about what is good for me? And um, I think that's something that we all need to start to think about a bit more openly, especially within this, within this context of work for children and young people. Um, the, the, the ways in which we determine um, more professional standardised work is often quite different from the way in which we might want to determine what is good for individual young people. And then we sort of tracked back a little bit and then we sort of said, well, let's, let's just talk through your journey. What, 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 what has good work looked like? And then we sort of also spent some time talking about what bad work looks like. So often we thought that um, you can realise what, what, what the kind of qualities and principles of good work are from really bad artistic experiences. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> we might get to that. Um, but it would be useful, I think, just to get this conversation started. And I really don't want this to just be really chalk and talk. I want, I want this to, to be um, as open as we can. But I think it would be useful for you to hear from Deanna about uh, how she... She didn't actually say this the last time, but Deanna was U UK Poetry Slam champion. Woo! Um, and, uh, but, but the journey there is really interesting and I think really important in the context of this discussion. So, yeah. Just say what you said before again, yeah? <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, hi. So I started my kind of art journey. Actually, I definitely started my, my creative art journey at the Lyric Theatre in Hammersmith in 2007, I think. Yeah, 2007. And um, before then, I had been into that theatre once, 
didn't think that you could go into theatres if you didn't work there or wasn't going to see a show. So I, I was quite intimidated by the building. And the only reason I went into the building was because a good friend of mine in college wanted to take part in a workshop. But as teenagers often do, she didn't want to go alone. And so she decided to drag me along with her. And so I reluctantly agreed. I had nothing else to do that, that, after, that evening. And it was a poetry workshop, and I, I was not interested in poetry. I mean, I studied English, but it, I didn't want to do it as a hobby. It was kind of like, poetry is boring. And so um, kind of went along and saw Dean at the front, front door, kind of dressed head to toe in a night track suit and a fitted cap. So immediately I was like, poetry, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so kind of, went up into the room and Dean and another practitioner, Joe, performed. And I was literally blown away. I had never experienced anything like it. College had never shown me that there was this face of poetry. And I thought to myself, I want to do that. And so I listened to what they said. And when they gave us free rights, I, I took the time to literally offload everything that was going on in my head in, onto this piece of paper and kind of read it out and then get feedback and and from then just kind of develop and, and start to really structure my thoughts and give it some focus to eventually be start writing poems that, that could be performed. And so um, that was the, the very beginning of, of my journey and I stayed on for a second term because I loved it so much and my friend ended up dropping out because she <laughs> thought she thought she'd be rapping and being like some Nicki Minaj type figure um, and and although she still continued to write um, she uh, she was very loud and outgoing and this was very focused not very focused but kind of a lot of free writes and being able to, to kind of sink into your own thoughts and, and really find out what was going on up here, which at the time I needed. And so I continued to, to do that. And then eventually, because the Lyric liked, liked my work, uh, they kind of offered me a chance to support Dean. So to kind of give back to the workshop that had given me so much, which obviously I grabbed and was like, yes, definitely. I want to do this. I want to share what I've learned and how valuable it is with with other young people and so from then on I've kind of never looked back and um and have gone on to to really go up not not right to the top of the lyric um <laughs> but I I was a young artic a young artistic associate last year with and my contract ended in July so I was given a lot a lot of opportunities to kind of grow and develop and learn new skills and and really kind of become become someone <laughs> I've got a poem about that but um really kind of find myself and find my calling and without being told what's wrong what's right um that I got a star or C it was everything was right because everything was an experience everything was 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 feeding into into my my development and and so that's kind of a lot that's that's kind of my journey um but the one thing that i've i've always remembered is the experience the atmosphere the safeness 
of of the, that workshop, which allowed, which made me want to stay, which made me want to come back every Monday for two hours and sit and just offload. It was safe. I I, I didn't feel any pressure to create a masterpiece. I didn't feel like I would be ridiculed. I felt that whatever I had to say was right, and and that was the one thing that I, I still carry with me now and pass on to young people that I now teach. I think um, uh, that that brings up a couple of things that I just want to pause and reflect on. Um, one is about uh, when is adult-led, adult uh, professional-led work for children and young people appropriate and when is um, work appropriate to be led by other young people? Um, and I think that that, the notion around quality in the context of those quite two different types of practice is something that we as a kind of sector really need to start to grapple with because some of the most exciting work that I've seen um, or felt part of or felt like I'd enabled over the past probably six or seven years of my own practice is work that actually has been led by emerging talent and not led by adult artists who've been practicing for a long time. Um, so I think the principles of quality in the context of that work we all need to think about. I also, in that last session, I was, you know, what Diana was saying then about the experience and the atmosphere of, a, of, a, of an environment or a workshop is so key. Um, and that last session, which was kind of really laden in kind of academic, the academic principles of that, I was like inside going, ah! But we, you know, we've just come from a session that was all about, it's just about how it feels. And, um, and often, you know, we spent some time last week talking about that, about actually it's a, what good work is, is how it feels. You know, what, the, you know, what it makes you want to do, what it makes you feel, what it makes you think about your future. Um, and, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any answers around how we might kind of capture that. Um, but I think it's something that we really need to think about because from my experiences of talking to emerging talent and young people about when they know work is good, it's so often about... Um, about how it makes them feel or how it enables them to progress. Dean, do you want to talk a little bit about that and um, also around kind of that journey you went on from to become a practitioner and, a, and an artist? Well, I came into the lyric as a performer. I was already kind of like writing poetry and I'd discovered the open mic circuit and then I heard there was like a showcase happening at the lyric where I could go and perform so I went and performed at this um, great event called step up to the mic and um, I went and did my piece and then kind of got invited back a, a, a short time later to be a peer mentor on projects that were going on so they saw that I had some talent and it would be great if I could encourage other young people that didn't have maybe the confidence to go on stage so to be in workshops and encourage them to participate and um, maybe coach them in terms of like getting ready to go on stage but it wasn't all about the stage it was it was also just about that kind of getting up there and doing it first leading by example as a peer mentor so through doing a lot of that um on various projects the start project for neat young people and um other projects that happened which were more focused about drama or other um areas um I kind of really got a, a feel for it and was like, well, I'd love to do like a poetry workshop. And um, we had various conversations around that and James enabled that to happen um, for myself and another practitioner called Joe Coelho to start this poetry workshop, um, which I then got to take over from Joe because I was supporting him at first. And then um, they felt confident for me to lead that. And then because Deanna had been in the class, they were like, well, Deanna could support you. So it's kind of like stepping up the ladder and it was so like, 
transparent the way it happened and it was really nice to be able to see well you can take over that and then Deanna can do this and it all kind of just like let you kind of um, yeah progress in in quite a short amount of time and that was really amazing for me and then I think that made that empowered us a lot because we kind of got quite bold in what we asked of the lyric and we were like well can we have our own show <laughs> um, since we've um, we're show, like working on the talent and working with young people and getting them confident, we need somewhere for them to perform. So um, give us the studio for a night, and that turned into a regular event called Lyric Lounge, um, which we kind of started up as a way to get young people from the poetry class that we were doing to get to perform on stage alongside other emerging artists and um, musicians, poets, um, some actors, all sorts going on in that space. But it was a creative space to let young people um, feel like um, a professional and be on stage and yeah, and to a paying audience um, that included family and friends, but also people that just came along to see a good show and we put on a good show. And that was just really empowering and that's kind of empowered us to go on and do that in other venues and with other organizations. And um, that's, that's, that's been encouraged for us to spread our wings and go out there. And, and the lyrics always kind of like celebrated the fact that we've gone and done other things, other places, and that we can always come back to them with ideas. And we still do various workshops with them, but it was kind of like, we weren't like property of the lyric. It was like, they kind of helped us grow and then set us free onto the world. <laughs> I, think, um, I think, again, just to kind of, Two, th two things that I think it's important for us to think about in the context of what Dean's just said. One is around sort of, um, you know, when we were remembering uh, how we worked together, uh, it, uh, it really made me think, God, that was quite risky. <laughs> um, that was quite a risky decision on my part to just um, give a space over to a young person to lead work. Um, and I think that that's something that we all just need to kind of accept that 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 does pose risks. You know, I, I wasn't really sure if, you know, Dean's having 12 weeks in a, in a workshop space and um, was going to deliver good results. But, um, you know, it did. But I think, you know, that it, it brings, you know, there's all sorts of stuff there, isn't there? We all know around the kind of challenges around just ensuring that spaces are safe and all of that other stuff we have to deal with. Um, I felt innately sure that the work would be of a good quality, but I think it definitely, if, you're, if you've got kind of some organisational responsibilities, there's something there for us to all think about that needs to be thought about in, uh, as well. Um, what Dean, uh, Dean mentioned about Lyric Lounge, and um, again, it, it made me really think about um, when you work in an arts organisation where you're responsible for the children and young people's work, but you have a tier of management above you. Um, who also need to love that work and care about it and understand it. Um, and that's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about and feeling challenged by for a, for a, for a long time. And I remember really, really, really vividly um, when we got a new artistic director at The Lyric, really wanting to find that moment um, for that person to see the work and to get it. And um, I remember thinking, okay, well, artistic directors inherently know what good work is. They're really excited by excellent artistic experiences. So if we can just find a moment for that person to witness a young person doing something incredible, they'll get it. And, um, uh, and they'll respond to it because they'll just know it's good. It's just awesome awesome, awesome art happening. And so we just engineered for 
our new artistic director to come and see a lyric lounge and um and what was that experience on paper well it was 100 percent capacity it's full so it's a good marker um the work was um of exceptionally high high quality um, the audience and the participants were diverse in all aspects that you could use the word diversity or the broad ways you could um, use that phrase. And then importantly for me, um, the fourth kind of dirty word was that that work was quite cheap. <laughs> um, but it, 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 it really, really kind of ticked a lot of boxes and I just knew that if we could get those people in that room that they would just inherently know that that work was of good value. And that's something that I've really, really carried with me. And I just, you know, that, you know, that's, that's what, that's what you should, if, if you're, if you, if you, if that's something that resonates with you, um, around having that tier of, of understanding and needing to get that buy-in from more senior people in your industry who are just, you know, tied up with all sorts of kind of, you know, huge things that they're dealing with, just put them in front of something amazing um, and it will normally do the job. Um, I'd really love to give you all an opportunity to ask questions of these guys. Um, something that I wanted to, to raise, um, which I've been thinking about at the moment and I'd love to get your thoughts because I'm really challenged by it, uh, is this notion of um, young people as decision makers in arts organisations. Um, there's been a real move over the past four or five years for us to establish things like youth boards and have young people um, helping to inform decisions that affect them in organisations. I've started in my organisation over the past year starting to become quite challenged by that because even for me, you know, like writing board reports is like the most you know, favourite part of my job. So God knows what it must feel like to, to be doing, to kind of be having to read them if you're 16. Um, and governance is just dull. So, um, so, um, so I, I've just started to feel a bit uncomfortable about bringing a group of 16 year olds and putting them around a table with some like polystyrene cups in the middle and asking them what they think. It, it just start, it started to feel really um, not authentic. And, um, and so I'm really interested in how in your own organisations or in your own practice, you might be doing that in a more interesting way because I've got to get rid of, you know, I've got to do something about my youth board because um, it don't work. Um, and uh, I think it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Well, I think it's because surely there's got to be a way to engage and consult and listen to young people which more directly mirrors the practice of making a play. Um, and being an ensemble and being creative and being open and not kind of just putting that kind of uh, that kind of structure over the top of something. And I think there are, if there are funders in the room, you know, we, we you know, I, the reason we've got one at the moment is because I know that, you know, if I'm in the right type of environment and I say we've got a youth board, people go, oh, that's great. Or, you, know, you know, there's 15 more points on. <laughs> so, um, so what I don't want to do is I want, I want to have something that still gets me the points, but I also don't want to have to make these young people come to my building. And um, so um, let's talk about that. But, you know, uh, also let's hear from you about any kind of, things that um, the last 20 minutes has made you think about. I'm Catherine Rogers. I work for Writing East Midlands. We're a regional writer development agency. Before I say anything else, thank you so much, Deanna and Dean. I thought that was really inspiring. I've kind of done what you've done, set out here and going, oh, okay, okay. 
and now I feel like all fired up, so thank you, first off. Um, okay, lots of things to respond to. The first thing that I was thinking about is fear. Dean had a line in his poem about um, how sometimes we are afraid to think that we might be really powerful. I, I, having, we work a lot uh, with children, young people, but also we're beginning to work more and more with teachers. And a thing that's come up quite a lot is that teachers, specifically teachers teaching poetry and creative writing, are frightened about teaching it. And they're frightened because they don't know if they will recognize what is good. Um, now, and I think the children aren't frightened and therefore listening to the voices. You know, you can see in a room, like you said, I loved what you were saying about feeling whether something is good. And I think children, young people, often the fear isn't there yet and they do recognize what is good. And, and I really think that there's something to learn from that. Um, the second thing I wanted to say is um, uh, to sort of respond to your point. Um, we work, or we're beginning to work um, a lot more, well, change that. Through work that we've done, we've had um, young people have been inspired by going to our events who've kind of went, I want to do that, I want to manage that, I want to teach the management of that. Um, one of those young stars for us is Debris Stevenson. She set up, um, we probably know her, um, a group in Nottingham called Mouthy Poets. And what they do is they put on events, but they also teach themselves governance. So they, all, they are set in the Nottingham Playhouse, but what they're learning is the process of everything. And um, what I see, particularly with Debris, is that the fear isn't there. So. I am trying to get Debris to come onto our board. Now our board is that classic stuffy board with people who've got a lot of time to sit on a board. We don't have a young person on a board. It's a huge challenge to bring, and yeah. she's completely up for it, but it will be, I, you know, it will be a huge challenge to get that dialogue to begin, but I think it, it, it can work and it, it will hopefully change things. Someone in the last session came up to me at the end and said, um, my God, we should just get, when we need to write our board reports, we should commission Dean and Deanna to just sort of like write them as a piece of performance poetry. And I thought, my goodness, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You know, imagine with my, I can't even imagine actually with my board, um, them walking into, and I'm sure lots of you can't, but maybe um, as things develop and change over time, that, you know, how we report and how we, um, kind of communicate and that's maybe that's probably why I find just writing the board report so hard because I'm trying to kind of put something quite ephemeral and creative in quite a formal structure anyway. He's got a question or a comment let's go Ooh, let's pass it around this way. Um, it's just a quick one on um, youth boards and uh, um, I just say no and we don't have young people we don't have a youth committee and I've done a lot of thinking and I've had a lot of experience working with young people over the years uh, young people want to do stuff and so uh, a project that I'm running at the moment we don't have a committee we have young reviewers which has been incredibly popular and they've turned into uh, a group of about 30 to 40 young people who are dead keen on reviewing um, but uh, and they don't always have to write it up they can write a poem or or just talk or be filmed and they're very keen now and they've got their confidence about reviewing anything we'll we'll ask them to review a meeting <laughs> and um, it's a creative thing so just you know 
media crews and reviewers. Thanks. Um, thank you, you two. It was fantastic, really inspiring. Um, I run an organisation which is a youth arts organisation and I asked myself the question a few years ago about how could my organisation be much more um, young person directed? And I decided it was a question of investment. It's, uh, it, it's not a case of what I want, it's actually a case of being able to hear what young people want because work breeds more work. So the more work, the more you invest in young people's work, eventually, by kind of osmosis, eventually your organisation will become young person led. And so I think um, the other thing that I would uh, comment on in that process was that I appreciated quite early on the importance of the role of mentors in that process. Young people can do anything, absolutely anything. They are powerful beyond imagination, but I do think that mentoring is absolutely critical to, to, um, to developing those capacities and being supported and having someone there to take away that fear or to mitigate that fear and to kind of give that little push when a push is needed or give a little pull when a pull is needed. So I kind of, I, I, I commend everybody. It also means you get a bunch of really experienced professionals closer to your organisation because they're mentoring your young people. So it's a complete win-win situation. Thank you. I'm not a practitioner at all. Um, and you know that's that you know I've probably got to do have a lot of therapy to deal with that. But no, I very much I th I really think that I and I often think about God. Well, what am I then? And and I I I really know that I think I'm I'm at my best in this world when I'm um, supporting a, a young person's journey and mentoring them or chatting to them or advocating on their behalf. And I imagine a lot of people at this conference today are people who are administrators in the children and young people's world like me, rather than um, artists in the CYP world. And um, I think it'd be really useful for us to be able to describe more clearly what our, our, the impact of people like us is on our sector. Because, um, yeah, I don't want to play Zip Zap Boing. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, firstly, I want to say to Deanna and Dean, thank you. That was really yeah, beautiful poetry, man, really big. Um, and also, like your story, Deanna, resonated with me quite a lot because it's something very similar to mine. I came into, I, I'm sorry, I'm from Contact. Um, and I'm a project manager at Contact, and I came in four years ago as a participant, and now I, I run the participatory project I was involved in. Um, so, yeah. I just wanted to resonate with that. Um, and also something you said was really interesting was safety. Uh, I think that's one of the key things about the safety and allowing the young people to express themselves fully without, without thinking, oh God, I, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. Oh, So yeah, safety is big. But oh yeah, the board thing um, I wanted to talk about. We have a young person on our board. Um, and for us actually, it works really well in our organisation. Um, uh, we go through a big interview process with it and we find out who's interested and who actually wants to do it, not who we think would be good for it. Um, so the person, on, the young person on the board at the moment is a, he's a young poet um, who's interested in um, making participatory theatre, and, and, and so we put him on the board, and yeah, he's, he, he loves it. So I think it's about finding the right person. But we uh, contact, we have somebody, a young person involved at every level of the organisation. Like myself, I'm still a young person really, um, but I work with, um, with everybody in the organisation as an equal, and I don't get treated as a young person, I get treated as the project manager. And you know, I get in trouble when I do things wrong, and it's fine. But um, <coughs> yeah, I think it's just about engaging people at every level, from the, from the get-go and, and just 
letting them in on the little things and, and transparency was, was uh, something that resonated with me because just letting them know it's all there and, and not doing things behind closed doors and, and letting them in on every little thing or even the boring things like the funding because I've got to know it's got to happen and it's got to get done. But just engage with them saying, listen, it's got to be done so you can do this and then you can go have fun. I'm from a local authority, so we fund and commission work and so on. And the, the, the question about um, young people young people's boards or young people on the art, on the boards of arts organizations is very interesting to me because we run a program i'm about to take on the program having not previously um done it take it on from a colleague um called young people on arts boards and <coughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I haven't done it historically, um, but I'm assured that it's very successful and in on paper it looks successful um in as much as, uh, and, and the way in which it works is that there's a two-day residential programme run by Steve Ball, who's one of the speakers uh, holding one of these parallel sessions today. Um, and it's, um, it's designed to, uh, first of all, we're recruiting young people who apparently want to be on a board. So that's a good starting point. Um, and we're recruiting arts organisations who want a young pe person on their board for, wha for whatever reasons, and not all of their motivations will be pure, I'm sure. Um, but there, I think uh, fundamental to it is that we try to equip them with the skills so that when they go into that organisation and into those board meetings, they know what they can do, what they, you know, they've got some skills and they've got some confidence about how to make their voices heard. So just having them there, I would be intimidated in a lot of board meetings, you know, and I know that we are guilty within the local authority. We're, we're ticking boxes as well. Do you know what I mean? We're doing things where we're thinking, oh, we need a couple of young people on that board. And I'm phoning them and trying to persuade them because they haven't been to the last three board meetings and things like that. And there's got to be a reason for that. And I need to investigate why that is and all this sort of thing. But um, I'm not entirely sure where I'm going with this, but I'm just really interested to hear, obviously, again, directly from the young people, which are, what are the challenges of being on an arts board? Because yes, it's, it's dull for everybody at times, and, but what are, what are the things that they gain most out of it? And I'm sure if you equip pe people to, to know, you know the, the parameters of a board meeting and where they can make their voice heard, that they will gain something from it. 50% may never come back again. But, you know, it, it seems to work as a formula, it, rather than just shoving somebody into a board meeting who apparently wants to be there and then finds out once they're in there that they really don't want to be there, sort of having a longer lead into that process and a bit more explanatory stuff. Thanks. I just, unfortunately, we're, really, we're, we're pretty much out of time, but I wanted to just finish by um, just talking a little bit about environment um, and that being really important. And Deanna sort of said something earlier that I just was like... Had to repeat again. I'll try and do it word for word. <laughs> Jokes. Um, one thing in in terms of youth boards as well, but um, I went to one youth board meeting. Sorry, Jessica, and I hated it. I was this is so rubbish. Um, but before um, when James when James was was working at the lyric, one thing that I I remembered and loved was that I could go into the building, go up to the fifth floor, go into the office, and say, guys, can I use a computer? And they'd say, yeah, there's one there, sit down. And then we'd have a conversation with, with staff. And so that, that barrier between me being a, a participant and then being staff was completely taken away. 
and we'd have this open dialogue about what was working, what I was enjoying, what I didn't really like, what what I wanted to to see, how I wanted the showcase to go, um, etc., etc., etc. And I felt that I was able to really communicate openly without it kind of being um, me being told, I'll put it in an email or um, can you just write it down and I'll look at it later. It was it was an open dialogue that I felt was listened to. And um, and so that would be my ideal youth board. And just one last thing, trust your young people. And luckily Lyric have trusted me a lot um, and, and it's really helped me because I, f I feel that trust. I am. Um I mean, that's right. There was always young people in the office and sometimes that was a bloody nightmare. Um, you loved it. And it would be a lot of like, shut up, I'm trying to do the budget or no, or, you know, keep it down, turn it off or get out. Um, but do you know what? It was also such a brilliant time um, and uh, we were all having so much fun. And... Um, just having young people around, getting in the way. Um, for me, that's what determines good work. So let's go and eat and um, carry on that conversation if we want to. Thank you very much. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England.